<laughs> and then come back on time maybe go get his ass out of bed get it, and I'm not gonna say what's in his bed and where he was and blah 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 there's a knock on the door it's Michael Jordan and I hid I I I, I didn't I don't want to seem like that so I like I'm just like hiding behind the couch with covers over me come on you we gotta get to practice Dennis came back and joined the team and that's the way it went that year Oh, man. Nothing beats reality when that's your reality. Dennis Rodman, a focal point last night, and a lot more we learned about Phil Jackson, how he became the coach of the Bulls, the Pistons entering the picture of Michael Jordan's career and getting past them as a Bulls fan from when they were mediocre and it was all Jordan and nobody else, and they couldn't beat the Pistons year after year. Man, that just warmed my heart to relive it. They finally beat those classless goons. Uh, that was all part of the two hours last night, episodes three and four of The Last Dance, and that's where we head for our weekly thumbs up, thumbs down to start the four o'clock hour on a Monday on Craig and John, Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, and KWSN.com. I'm John Gaskins with Craig Maddock. We did all draft talk in hour number one. A lot of Vikings. Ben Lieber joined us. We'll have some of the best stuff he said next hour, about an hour from now. And uh, Curtis Riggs, our draft digs with Curtis Riggs, the head coach of the Sioux Falls Storm at 425. We'll go Vikings, winners and losers of the entire NFL, the Packers, what the hell they're doing, and uh, our local guys as well, because Curtis works with a lot of them at at the Riggs Football Academy. But, Craig, uh, the attention of the weekend shifted from the draft to the Bulls last night. And I've got a lot of thumbs up here. I really don't have any thumbs down. What about you? Oh, I got a thumbs down. Oh, I'll let do you, you go first with okay. the uh, thumbs up. I mean, I, I love the doc, uh, the episodes three and four last night. I mean, it's a great documentary. I truly enjoyed it. It was it was great reminder of what it was like with the bad boys and just how physical the NBA was at that time. Yeah, you could beat anybody up. <laughs> so their rivalry with the Pistons was part of it. I would contend... And again, I was a big Bulls fan, and it it was one of the most heated, hated, personal, petty rivalries in the history of sports, in the beautiful sport of basketball. Nobody loved to just physically injure and torture other teams than the Pistons did to the Bulls. And no, that's not the only reason why the Pistons did interrupt the Magic and Larry and Michael Jordan train from the 80s into the 90s for a couple of years. But, man, they were a bunch of goons. Either you were a Pistons fan or you hated them. Conversely, the Bulls of the 90s, everybody loved them because what wasn't there to love? The best player of all time, making crazy sick moves. You had Dennis Rodman, who was just a lightning rodman in a lot of ways more than one. Um, But my favorite part of last night was that thing with the Pistons. I had described it personally just as an 11-year-old in my formative years of watching sports, but watching the Pistons beat the Bulls in back-to-back Eastern Finals was painful. And then the Bulls finally do it in a sweep in 1990, and the Pistons walk off the floor without shaking any of the Bulls' hands. And I know, they, they all hated each other, but come on, even in hockey when people are bludgeoning each other to death, 
at, at the end of things. And I know we're living in pandemic and COVID and who knows what after this, but the tradition has been you shake hands. Michael Jordan gladly shook hands with, with Isaiah Thomas right away when they lost bitterly in Game 7 the year before. And the Pistons walk away like a bunch of babies. My favorite moment of the four hours so far was Horace Grant, who I, we hadn't seen any of. You know, he's a big part of the Bulls championships. And finally, we get to see Horace Grant when he's, they're talking about the rivalry with the Pistons. And he said what was exactly what was on every Bulls fan's mind at the time. And now watching it back and reliving history about the Pistons thinking they're some big heroes. Like it's some wild, epic final chapter of a novel. Oh, they walk out and their fans go crazy with seven seconds left. They just walk right by the Bulls like a bunch of babies or as Horace Grant called them, a bunch of Bleeps, and the word starts with B and rhymes with witches. My God, I about jumped out of my chair in the same gleeful manner I did when Jordan hit big shots to win championships. That was fantastic because it's so true. And Isaiah Thomas tried to come back and say, oh, well, that's just the way the NBA was. As you just mentioned, Craig, hey, people hated each other. And, you know, there are a lot of fights and fisticuffs and when when we finally, the Pistons finally got over the hump against the Celtics a couple years before, Larry Bird and Kevin McHale walked out on us. They didn't shake our hands. And then I was like, Isaiah, you're the worst. And I assume that's a part of your thumbs down in the moment, Craig. But then, fortunately, this is a Michael Jordan-controlled narrative. This whole documentary is. I get it. It's very tilted and biased. But Michael Jordan had the perfect response. He said, gee, um, we shook hands with the Pistons back-to-back years, even though we hated them. And so, I think it just said a lot about the Pistons and the Bulls, why people hated one team and loved the other beyond their fan bases. And uh, just personally, emotionally, that was my favorite moment of the whole entire thing. Because it meant a lot more to me when I was a kid, Craig. 10, 12 years old, these sports and sports championships. Emotional investment. Beating the Pistons and still being so pissed off that they had to walk away like a bunch of cowards. Um, it, it all came flooding back, and thumbs up, Horace Grant. There you go. Well, thumbs down to Isaiah Thomas. I mean, even last night, he goes, well, it was, it was, it was Bill Lambeer's idea. It was, I mean, he didn't take any responsibility whatsoever. He never has. Isaiah Thomas is a sleaze, and he's a sleaze. Because we know about it in Sioux Falls. Because Isaiah Thomas killed the CBA, almost killed the Sioux Falls Sky Force. He is not liked by anybody in Sioux Falls. Everything he touches turns to dust. Um, Isaiah Thomas bought the CBA back in 1999 for $10 million, And two and a half months later, he cut everybody's salary uh, in the CBA. He reduced it from $1,100 per player down to 800 And then he placed the league into a blind trust that then went bankrupt a, a couple of months later. This guy, he couldn't, he couldn't run a straight line if he had to. Um, Isaiah Thomas came to Sioux Falls. I remember this so well. It was, Sioux Falls was hosting the, the CBA All-Star Game. And, of course, Isaiah Thomas was the, the owner of the league. And, of course, at that time... Oh, we were all gooing and gogging. <laughs> oh, here, here's Isaiah Thomas in Sioux Falls. We're, excuse me, we're at the Western Mall and we're, and we're interviewing him, and he's smiling. He's got that 
blank eaten grin yeah. on his face. And and it wasn't much longer after that you found out that here's a slime ball that tried to sell it to sell the CBA, bought it for ten, so wanted the NBA to buy it for over twenty, uh, twenty million. They offered eleven, but he said no, I won't do that. Uh, so he lost his butt, and uh, then of course he became the the coach of Indiana, which. Yeah, how'd that go for you on that one? But it was so interesting last night that Isaiah Thomas, okay, he was a, he was a great player, but off the court, whew, what a sleazeball. Yeah, and he did it all, as you mentioned, Craig, with a bleep-eating grin on his face. And I'm watching this with Gilbert last night. And when Isaiah Thomas, when they kept cutting to him in this Pistons rivalry part of the Bulls documentary, Gilbert says, oh, I always liked Isaiah Thomas. He's just so classy. And I had two choices in my brain. I could stop the film right there, Craig, and explain everything you just did, but probably with more uh, naughty words and anger. <laughs> and to tell Gilbert who Isaiah Thomas really is. But I, I chose option B, and I think you're proud of me this for Craig. I just bit my tongues bit my lips and let the documentary keep rolling and just let Gilbert think that. Yeah, sometimes you just gotta do that. <laughs> sometimes you just gotta let it go it's, and just let it go. Water under the bridge. It's just not worth explaining, but he is no, a fake no. and a sleaze, one of the worst. And those are the worst. Some people just, you know it. You look at them like Jerry Krause, the, uh, you know, the villain in this whole thing, the Bulls GM. But again, hell of a GM, by the way. He put the whole, he put all that team together. It wasn't just Michael Jordan, and he decided on Phil Jackson as the head coach at one point. Uh, but of course, his downfall was starting the downfall by thinking it was all about him and breaking the team up. But Jerry Krause, at the very least, he he looks it, he walks it, he almost struts it. I'm a sleaze. You know, take it or leave it. But Isaiah Thomas, those are the worst kind, when you're just kind of a, a wolf in sheep's clothes like Isaiah Thomas, and everything's just said with a nice smile on your face with such eloquence and, and uh, you know, highfalutin vocabulary and, you know, just so graceful. No, that's not who you are. Well, it's, it's, it's that time. And all of us in Sioux Falls, all of us in the media at the time. Yeah. At the time, here's here is a, a NBA champion, now the owner of the CBA, in little old Sioux Falls. Yeah. We're at the Western Mall, Aww. and he, he is he is it is hook line and sinker. <laughs> we yeah. he's got the hook out, and we are bobbing for it. Yep. And then it was just couple of months later, we, we found out what kind of a sleazeball that he was, or still is. Yeah. Stu Whitney did not agree with that. Go read his timeline if you want the other side of the story. Not so much with Isaiah, but with the Pistons. Stu was upset that they only showed one Pistons bucket during the whole Bulls series. I wonder if Stu saw the Bad Boys series that they did on the Pistons, which I loved as well. They yes, were compelling. It. Yeah, it they... Good. It was great. They were compelling. It almost endeared you to how big a goons they were. But, you know, they, they were kind of the anti-establishment, and they crashed the party, and uh, they were they were badasses and all of that. Uh, but, uh, like, in the Pistons documentary, boy, they, didn't, they just glossed over the fact that the Bulls finally got the better of them and swept them, and the Pistons just walked off the court like a bunch of babies. I was also reading that... Hey, this Bulls documentary, slanted and controlled by Michael Jordan, well, that never mentioned the kinds of nasty things the Bulls were saying about the Pistons before Game 4. And I was going to do some diligence and read up on that. I didn't. Who cares what they said? 
just, you know, pass the torch, go along. But, hey, if the Pistons hadn't done that act of classlessness, it wouldn't have been, we wouldn't have remembered. It wouldn't have been as fun to talk about, I guess. And it wouldn't have been just another thrilling part of this documentary, which just, uh, to me, keeps getting better and better. That's why we're spending almost the entire thumbs up, thumbs down on The Last Dance, parts three and four. Phone lines are open for just a couple more minutes, 336-1230, 336-1230, if you have your own thumbs up or thumbs down, especially about this Bulls thing last night. Um, okay, any other thumbs up or thumbs down from the from the viewing last night? That, uh, well, it just showed you what uh, Phil Jackson had to go through yeah. <laughs> as the coach. Yes. I mean, call him the Zen master or whatever, but, I mean, call him kind of crazy, but yet... For some reason, somehow, he was able to have a good relationship with Michael. Probably had a better relationship with with um, Rodman. Rodman, uh, and, and then you had Pippen, who was kind of the crybaby in there for for a while. Yeah, but he was able to put it all together. They all came together, and I mean, that, that, I always think of ourselves. You and I see coaches all the time Mm -hmm. and how they're dealing with players Mm -hmm. during games and things like that, whether it's on the football field or on the basketball court. And and the physical and the mental mental psychology that coaches have to use with with players. It's Phil Jackson did a phenomenal job. Ego and personality oh. management. I always get a kick out of anyone who tries to tell me Phil Jackson isn't the greatest coach in NBA history if not sports history. And I get it. He had Michael Jordan during one run of six titles, and he was loaded with Pippen, who's a, one of the 50 best ever, and Dennis Rodden. And I get it. He had Kobe and Shaq in his second round, and if he was coaching in Atlanta or Cleveland, he wouldn't have won nearly as many titles. That's true. But I always throw this back, and I have for 20 years at people who downplay Phil Jackson's worth because of the talent he got to work with. And it's like he just rolled the ball out. I have two names for you. Get ready for this. Remember these names? Remember this at the water cool, the bar stool? Whenever you talk about Phil Jackson and his value to those Bulls and Lakers teams that he won 11 titles with. Doug Collins and Del Harris. Doug Collins portrayed a lot last night, mostly in a positive light. Michael Jordan thought he was a breath of fresh air when he came to the Bulls as the new head coach. And Michael Jordan was catered to by Doug Collins. And I loved Doug Collins when I was a Bulls fan growing up. He did the right thing. You have Michael Jordan and a bunch of tomato cans. All right. Then design the whole thing around Michael Jordan. But guess what? It only got you so far. The Pistons were a better, deeper team. And Jerry Krause made the shrewd move to fire Doug Collins just as the Bulls kept getting closer and closer to beating the Pistons. And he hired Phil Jackson because he, and even Doug Collins. I loved the bite from Collins who said after a year and a half as the Bulls head coach with Phil Jackson on the staff, he could already feel that Phil was going to be that was going to supplant him as the next head coach. But Doug Collins only got the Bulls with Jordan and Pippen so far. Phil Jackson took him to six titles. Jordan Pippen, Rodman and a bunch, and everybody else were was role players during that time. Now, Del Harris, same thing. He had Kobe and Shaq for about 3 years together. Now they were young and growing up and learning how to do it. That's part of it. But Del Harris could only take the Lakers so far. Phil Jackson took him to 3 titles back to back to back and it wasn't you know, I mean, it, it, so 
please spare me. Phil Jackson just had to roll out the balls. And I loved, as you mentioned, Craig, in this documentary, they showed you why Phil Jackson was a great coach. Uh, that he was the best, and he's the best coach in those situations with, with teams with talent. The coach that's not going to run that Porsche into the tree. In fact, he's going to get the most out of the Porsche anybody else on the planet could. And that includes stuff that was ahead of his time incorporating the triangle offense with Tex Winter, all the Zen Buddhism. You saw the players doing yoga before practice. Everyone thought that was hippie, netherworld, BS. It all worked, and it worked most with Dennis Rodman, who could not be contained by anybody else but Chuck Daly in those years with the Pistons. So anyway. Um, so easy to see how it could go south so quick. Yeah. Uh, when you have all those when you have all those personalities together. Yeah. Oof. And Jordan and Phil Jackson kept it all together. By the way, this is Phil Jackson on Dennis Rodman. Dennis and I have this Native American bond between us. He comes in one day, and Dennis and I met in the team room. In the team room, I have a bear claw necklace, a turtle shell that came from another Indian reservation, and various other Indian artifacts. And so Dennis is like, Wow, he said, I have this necklace from the Ponca Indians in Oklahoma. I can, I'm hip to that. And I say, well, Dennis, in their tradition and the tradition that I knew, you would be a Hayoka, a backward walking person. There were people that were different, and you're a Hayoka. So you're this Hayoka in this tribe. You tell me any other coach on the planet that yeah. can bond with Dennis Rodman <laughs> from the get go. Because he has a background of Native American inclusion and studies. Grew up in Montana, then went to college. Great footage, by the way, of Phil Jackson playing at UND in Grand Forks and then coaching in Puerto Rico. I mean, this guy paid his dues. He had rocks thrown at his head in these little towns in Puerto Rico to start his coaching career. And he uh, was playing in a league where the owner of a team shot a ref in the foot during a game. I mean, he's literally risking his life doing this coaching. And then he goes to Albany. And Jerry Krause had a, just a hunch that Phil Jackson would be perfect for the Bulls eventually. And and uh, and he was. So, I mean, that's, that's stuff that if you had read books or knew, knew about this kind of stuff. And I was a big Bulls nerd growing up. I had learned all this. But it was great to kind of let everybody else know. This is what went all behind six titles. It wasn't just a few great players. And, you know, it was just a, it was an autopilot sort of thing. And that goes back to Rodman by the way. Here's another thing. Um, what an example of how it's not all black and white. Just because Dennis Rodman demanded and got what he wanted by flying to Vegas, leaving and ditching his team for a few days in the middle of the season to go drink and party and have sex with Carmen Electra, does that seem selfish? Is that a selfish thing to do? Yes, it is. But Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson knew that that was what was best for Dennis and it was going to be what was best for the team. Michael Jordan had to fly and yank him out of his hotel room and out of Carmen Electra's bed, but he did. And then once he got right back there, once you got Dennis Rodman in the building, he was not only uh, one of the hardest workers on the team, but also a genius, a savant. Dennis Rodman breaking down the art of rebounding on this thing was tremendous. And by the way, that was more important to him, plus the lockdown defense, being the agitator, that was all more important to Dennis Rodman than ever scoring a point. He had seven games in his career. He had 20 rebounds and zero points. The next closest person in NBA history, Marcus Canby, two. A guy who doesn't score but rebounds and agitates teams with incredible play that comes by planning and studying 
and practicing. That is not a selfish player. And uh, Phil Jackson could see it and connect, and uh, that's, that is all part of the way the, the Bulls became one of the greatest dynasties in the history of sports. So that was some terrific behind-the-curtain stuff. And uh, I also like what Matt Zimmer tweeted about Doug Collins. Back to Doug Collins, the guy before Phil Jackson, trying to explain after a game where uh, the Bulls beat the Pistons uh, it, on a last-second Michael Jordan bucket. You know, what was, the, what was the play? What was the strategy going on <laughs> drawing it up? And Doug Collins said it was our, it was our get the F out of the way and let Michael score play. <laughs> <laughs> and as Matt Zimmer tweeted, you don't coaches don't say that anymore because every moment of these press conferences are now videoed and recorded live and tweeted about. And, um, you know, it was, it was actually um, kind of uh, a look back at a, at a more innocent and more fun time in that sort of way. So it was excellent. Anything else to add about uh, last night? Nope. It was good. Can't yeah. wait for the next ones. Yeah. All right, uh, and, and, and Michael with that trophy in uh, year number seven in the league. I mean, people forget it. Did not come easy for the Bulls or for him, for Bulls fans like me. Didn't hop on the gravy train, wasn't a bandwagoner. I, he, and, uh, he as a player, me as a fan, watched them suffer through mediocrity and being good, not great, and choking and losing to the Pistons over and over again and finally breaking through and beating Magic Johnson. Michael Jordan holding that trophy after seven years of trying. Uh, and being called not a great winner, you know, a great player, not a winner. One of the best, most iconic images in sports. Sports talk with Craig and John. All right, uh, let's get back to the draft. Curtis Riggs, if he thought the Vikings were an A-plus like a lot of evaluators did, if the Packers were a D-minus like a lot of evaluators did, and everything in between, winners and losers and our local kids and where they're going, and if they'll uh, pan out as NFL players. Next on Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, KWSN.com. Can't hear the show on the radio? No problem. We're always live at KWSN.com and on the free, easy-to-download KWSN mobile app.